Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Quattromani, and this show is brought to you by Navman. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I am spending more and more time back on the road again, which kind of feels quite nice to do, if I'm honest. I enjoy some time in the car to listen to podcasts, audiobooks. Maybe that's what you're doing right now is driving somewhere listening to me. Now, if you're driving a large truck, and I'm paying attention to these a lot more now, I think I've seen enough dash cam videos to pay attention. The one thing I'm noticing is, boy, they have blind spots. And it's no surprise that a truck is not going to know the full 360 degree view of their vehicle while they're on the motorway. And that's your job to keep out of that view. However, I have to say, guys, if you are driving a truck at the moment and you're not carrying a dash cam or a particular Navman um, guidance unit, then I think you're missing out on something here because, yeah, I, you know, you can learn how to drive a truck, you can understand the limits of your vehicle and things like that. But the MyCam truck, yes, it has the dash cam on the front, but the seven inch screen is also fantastic for navigation. And the reason it's different to other navigation units is that you can add your dimensions of your vehicle into the Navman and it will make sure that the whole path from end to end that it takes you avoids bridges, avoids, um, you know, bridges Bridges need to go under, I mean, um, hard, hard turning corners and things like that to make sure that your vehicle is going to make the journey properly. The other thing it does do, it gives you notifications about um, low gear voice alerts, you know, those no engine braking zones and things like that. That will actually give you all those alerts and notifications. You don't have to be thinking about just finding those signs. Really smart. All of the truck alerts that you're thinking about, even planning out your next stop. So where a truck safe spot is for you to go and have a break, it's all there inside the Navman. And this is unlike any other, even other Navman navigation units, let alone other brands. So something to really consider if there is a truck driver in your life, show it to them and see if it's something that they have not heard of already or have not tested. The, obviously, the dash cam piece is important, but I think the navigation, making sure they get safely exactly wherever they need to go and without having issues. Uh, check it out at navman.com.au. But in the meantime, we have a cracker show to get on with. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, stay safe on the roads and please look after yourselves out there. It's raining in Sydney at the moment, so especially for anyone in New South Wales, keep it on the dry stuff. Let's go. Now, it has been a huge week, and I'm saying that because I've finally uh, finished my MIT course that I've been studying. I may have mentioned that last week, and I'm starting to feel some time coming back in my in my week and in my day, which is absolutely fantastic, and it's a really nice thing. I've been particularly focused this week on a television segment I did actually this morning with Studio 10. And it was all about smart kitchen gadgets. You know, I'm talking about mixers. Um, I'm talking about coffee machines, uh, food recycling units, a smart coffee cup, and everything else I could try and fit into my car and bring into the segment. A lot of fun, but there's usually quite a lot of prep because in this case, every appliance had an app and I wanted to have one phone dedicated to every appliance, make sure they all had um, internet connectivity. So I had a bit of a hotspot to bring along. You almost have a, almost a dry run at home before you take it to set set it all up and then they kind of wheel it out a minute before you're about to go live and they and they add power so your um, appliances start to turn on your coffee machine starts to rinse it's chaos until they say we're on and then it's it just happens it just all works 
It was a lot of fun. The reason I'm telling you about that, though, is to give you a bit of an insight behind the scenes. Now, normally, whenever I'm doing a segment, um, if I see an appliance or a product that I want to bring into that segment, I usually reach out to those brands or the PR company for that brand, send them an email and say, look, I'm doing this segment. I'd love to have this product on. It sounds interesting. Can I get a unit? I need to test it so at least I understand how this thing works, whether it's actually good or does what it says on the box um, so I can talk about it. And then the thing arrives, I have to test them all and assess whether I should actually include it in the segment. Sometimes it doesn't actually make it because it's garbage. Um, And then away we go. Here's an interesting one. I wanted to get Ember. You know, the, um, the, they make coffee cups that are smart. Effectively, it's a coffee cup or a teacup that you add your tea and coffee into, and then you actually set a temperature on the cup itself and also through an app, and you say maintain a temperature of 60 degrees uh, forever or as long as it can. Uh, the mug that I wanted to get had a three-hour battery life. I was thinking, gosh, if you were somebody who's on the road a lot, um, you pour yourself a really long coffee, you don't have to worry about the thing ever getting cold because it's going to actually keep itself warm. Anyway, wanted to get one, didn't have a PR contact for Ember. Um, it's quite difficult sometimes to reach, especially if it's a big company, maybe based in the US, it's hard to reach them. Anyway, long story short, um, Apple sells the Ember mug. Um, they're one of very few resellers that actually do sell the Ember mug. And here it was my attempt, and I've done this before um, in the past, many, many years ago. It was not a problem um, where I email the Apple PR team and say, hey, doing this segment would love to include the Ember mug. Any chance you could send me one? I just need it for the segment. Um, you know, obviously, I'll mention where I got it from in case people are wondering, how do I buy one of these? What stores do I buy it from? I usually say something along the lines of, you know, it's you can, you can get it through the Apple store. Um, can we get it? Can I get a unit? Can I get one? Obviously, it's going back. I just, can I get one for the day? And just crickets. And then eventually I got a response saying, we'll, we'll try and get you a unit. And at the same time, I'm on the Apple website. I can see it for sale. It literally says, can be in your house tomorrow kind of thing, like available for delivery now. And I'm like, what's the deal here? Anyway, as usual, um, Apple just doesn't really like to play ball. Waited about a week, a couple of follow-ups, just too hard basket basically to, um, to achieve that. So I just bought one. I bought one. Turns out the returns policy allows me to uh, return it tomorrow without a problem anyway. So um, thanks for that, Apple. Thanks for making me pay so I can go and get a refund. Um, but the good part was, if anything, I didn't have to even consider mentioning where I bought the product from. I actually ended up saying you can get it from Amazon because you can. So anyway, that was a bit of fun, a bit of inside baseball for you. This is just the way it is that some companies like to work with you and just some of them don't. And probably telling that story makes it even worse. Probably doesn't actually help my case and probably won't probably will make sure I never receive an Apple AirTag to test because that was one of the other things I was rejected from as well. That $45 AirTag that I could never possibly buy myself. Um, anyway, that's been a bit of fun. Now, today I'm drinking a glass of wine uh, from Mistletoe in the Hunter Valley. I went and paid them a visit. Must have been around 12 months ago now. Really nice vineyard, um, a place that you can actually go sit down almost on a veranda, do a tasting, and it's on your own. They come to you, they pour you your glasses, then they walk away. They come back 10 minutes later with the next bottle, 
It's lovely. Really nice. This is a Shiraz 2018 uh, from their home vineyard. So it is from the Hunter Valley. I actually quite like it. For a Shiraz from the Hunter, it's quite impressive. It's um, I'm usually more of a Barossa guy. Anyway, 34 bucks for this bottle. Um, I think it's if you're going to the Hunter Valley, it's worth stopping there, worth making the time to do it. Um, they also included, this was during COVID days, when you arrived, they, they gave everybody hand sanitizer, a bottle of water, um, a small packet of cheese and crackers in little little gift bags because they couldn't do their traditional way of um, doing tasting. So they had to try and accommodate for you by just doing it differently. So anyway, amazing experience, but um, mistletoe, nice, nice people, really nice people. Now, I'm going to get through some news. We're going to have news from LG about their latest televisions. Uh, we're going to talk about Withings and their latest scale and their innovations in the scales that you step on. It's nowhere near just about checking your weight anymore. NBN, if you are an NBN customer and maybe you're not happy with your NBN, then you're absolutely going to love this piece of news. And we're going to talk about the air tags, of course, and the drama that's been going on with AirTags this week. Um, some are afraid to talk about it, but we certainly don't shy away from the uh, controversial topics here. We'll talk about the AirTags and the drama and a smartwatch that I've been testing. It's from Sunto. Uh, it is literally for fitness freaks. So if you're heavily into your fitness, really like to have a quantified workout, you want to know the ins and outs of everything that you did on your workout, stay tuned for that one because it's a cracker of a smartwatch to talk about. So Buckle in, pour yourself a glass of coffee, tea, wine, water, whatever it is that tickles your fancy, and let's get into some technology uncorked. <laughs> I was just having a think, how good are returns policies? Maybe Apple doesn't read their own one. Um, maybe they'll change it now that they've realized that um, reviewers can actually make their, make their way into any Apple store and buy their products and re return it two weeks later, used, and get a full refund. LG. Uh, LG have come out with some interesting news. I can't believe I'm even talking about it publicly. Anyway, um, LG have come out with some amazing news if you're in the market for a new television. Now, it must have been, I feel like two months ago that I reviewed the Samsung Bees Knees TV and was quite wowed by it, but have looked at their whole range um, in an experience before and, and really, really find every year that I continue to be impressed by televisions, even though on paper, the changes or the advances don't look that dramatic. But if this year is your year to upgrade a TV, maybe you've got a four, five, ten-year-old TV and you've found a good amount of change in your pocket to say, we're doing this this year, LG's got a huge choice for you. And when I say huge choice, I mean from 43 inches all the way up to, is it 88 inches? It's 88 inches. 43 to 88 inches. So a pretty good scale to make sure you find the right one. When you think about price, You've got a scale from $949 all the way up to $62,000. That's a lot of money. That's for the 88 inch. Now, we're probably never even going to see one of these in Australia. I'm guessing if you order one, then they'll bring it to you. It may take a month by sea freight or something to get here. Um, I'd be surprised if they even have one in the country. 62 grand, ridiculous. But what I was impressed by is that they still make 43-inch TVs. Not everybody wants a big TV, especially if it's for a bedroom or if it's for a small apartment, whatever the case may be. 43 inches is great, and it's good to know that you can still get a good quality, good brand with the right operating systems and controls and things like that 
at less than a thousand bucks. Love that. So if you are interested in getting a small TV, um, I was looking, I don't know if I've told you guys before, I am looking for a new house. Um, if you're selling a house that's really good, let me know. I'm looking, I want to have a look at it. Um, and sometimes you walk into some rooms and you see they've fitted a TV around 43 inches and you get it because the kind of the style of the room, it's not a focal point of the room. It just needs to be a TV that they watch from time to time. I get it. When you think about getting a big TV, and again, most homes that I have been walking into these days, they almost have a separate room as a media room or a home theater. If you go to display homes, you'll see this is a very common thing now to have a home theater. I don't have one in the house that I'm in at the moment, but it's, it's becoming the norm. Or their lounge room has their big TV in it. My biggest TV in the house is 65 inches. That is no longer a big TV. Um, here is some interesting numbers, guys. 86 inch is one of LG's sizes. An 86 inch TV, their cheapest 86 inch television that they're offering is $3,500. That's an amazing price for a TV of that size. Their cheapest 65 inch TV, we're talking about 2021 models, this is not old stock. Their cheapest 65 inch TV is $1,599. And these are recommended retail prices. So imagine what it's going to be when you get into a store and do a bit of haggling. So if you go up the scale a little bit, and most, most of the time when you think LG, you're thinking OLED. Trust me, those TVs I was just talking about were not OLED, okay, guys? They were not OLED. But when you do think about OLED televisions, their cheapest OLED TV, it actually comes in a 48-inch, which is interesting, um, meaning it's getting quite a bit smaller, $2,700 for the 48-inch TV. If you want to go 65-inch and you try and want to get 65 for the best price possible from LG, they have a model. Um, it's the A1, OLED A1, 65-inch, $4,099. So if you want a big TV, but you want it to be OLED, um, it used to be you needed to spend quite a bit more than that. This is really nice to see. You can get a 75-inch TV for less than $9,000 in OLED if that's what you really want to do. So it's good to see. They've also got their Nano TV. Their nano ones are interesting, 65 inch starting from 1999. So guys, if you want a new TV, yes, I understand the reason why people go bigger because it's become more affordable. So anyway, the whole range is available in stores this month. Um, start shopping around for them. If you don't want to spend that kind of money, but you do still want a big TV from LG, trust me, if there's any retailer holding on to 2020 stock, now's the time to go and get one and haggle like mad. If it's a 2020 model and you're seeing it on shelves at the moment, trust me, they want to get rid of them fast. So go in, get a cracker deal. Um, and trust me, you'll still be very impressed because as I've always said, the only TV you watch when you get home is the one that's in front of you. Okay. You're no longer comparing TVs once you've got one in the room. No one ever has two TVs in their room. So trust me, you'll be very impressed with what you have. Withings. Withings has been around for quite some time. Uh, Nokia stepped in at, at one point, and then Withings came back and took their brand and their products back. Withings make a whole bunch of different health products, whether it's wearables and scales. Um, I've even got a, a temperature sensor from Withings as well. Um, literally checks your skin temperature. Anyway, this week, some interesting news from them. The Withings Body Cardio Scale is a new product that's on the market, and it obviously checks your weight. It checks your heart rate. It checks your muscle mass. Um, it checks your fat levels and things like that. It literally, just by standing on this thing, a small little pulse of electricity goes through your body and it just does all this magic and presents the numbers on a display. I've had one for years, for 
years and years. And I love it because I can literally go back through time and I can see how my body has evolved. Some ways good, some ways bad. Sometimes it recovers, sometimes it gets worse again. But it's always fascinating to look at that data and see it. If you step on it on your birthday, it says happy birthday. If you step on it on the 1st of January, it gives us a little happy new year animation. Eventually, you start looking forward to these things in life, guys. Okay, it's the small things. Uh, but here we have the the new one, the body cardio scale. And the interesting thing about this one is it's now paying attention to your arteries. This is crazy. How flexible are your arteries? Do you know? Well, this one will actually tell you. Is it important to have flexible arteries? Well, apparently it is because the stiffer your arteries, it can actually suggest that you've got a higher blood pressure or a poorer cardiac health, which is your heart. So now we're starting to focus on the heart. When you stepped on the scales, it used to be about your weight. Imagine now stepping on the scales is now paying more attention to your heart health. I love this. They're now also saying that you could potentially be using this to estimate the age of your heart. So step on the scale and it will say that you're either optimal, you're normal, or there's something not normal. And then, then you can go into the app and you can start to really understand what the story is behind it. There are other models. If you've got a Withings scale already, um, that you'll get a firmware update. So do check that just in case your one is included. Um, you may find that it's already available. Maybe it's already on your scale. Just check it. Do the firmware update. Happy days. But otherwise, the new one, 250 bucks. I honestly love smart scales. It also automatically detects who's standing on it. So it will know if it's you and give you the data. Or if it's your partner, it knows it's them and gives them the data. Obviously, usually because there's, I'm guessing it's because of the difference in weight, like surely between me and my wife, there's quite a bit of weight difference. She's small compared to me by quite a bit. And it's obvious. I mean, God, if I'd lost that much weight between standing on the scales, it'd be a concern, a real concern. So anyway, check out that one from Withings. I think it's really cool. If you don't have a smart scale and you actually care about any of this kind of stuff, it's probably the one to get. Um, I've tested a bunch of others and I don't know, I always go back to the Withings one. It also integrates with a lot of other apps as well. So if you do want your um, your health data to be fed. I think it does connect with Apple Health. I'm pretty sure it connects with Google Fit um, and it can actually share all that data quite cross-platform and open, which is good a good thing to see from Withings. Now, the last bit of news before we get into the big things such as AirTags and Sunto is about the NBN. The NBN have been making announcements. Now, many, many, maybe it was a year ago now, I interviewed the Federal Minister of Communications, Paul Fletcher. He still is the guy. He still is in that role. Um, really good guy. It gave me a really nice amount of time to talk about the NBN and its future. And if you haven't heard that interview, you should go back. It's still very relevant today. But one of the questions that I posed to him was around the finish date of the NBN. And I said to him, based on the multi-technology rollout of the NBN, that I would believe that there is no end date for the NBN rollout because once you've given everybody the NBN in a multi-technology approach, but everybody at least has it, I'm going to guess that your next step is then to upgrade the homes that are getting the HFC type NBN to receive fiber. And he said you'd be correct. And I don't think many people covered that kind of news. I think most people were more interested in writing NBN stories that said, oh, I can't believe that we're getting the bad NBN compared to what um, the guy with the white hair, Rudd, wanted. And everyone focused on the fact that as if there was an end date, as if once everybody had the NBN in parentheses, that that was it. And 
I had the guy literally telling me that that wasn't the case. Anyway, now we're starting to see what we mean by that. So every month or so, the NBN is actually announcing uh, upgrade programs. And this isn't a cost type program. This is literally that if you live in one of the towns that they list and you are opting to receive fiber to the premises, they will now do that work. So when you work with your telco and you opt to receive fiber to the premises, that work can now begin. It's a case-by-case basis. They list the suburbs that are, avail- that are eligible for these upgrades, and it's a long list. I'm not even going to try and read them all out. But every state and territory in Australia is impacted and can be upgraded. So if you are somebody who, for whatever reason, is on HFC and you're just not happy with the speed that you're getting, you wish you could get more, you can do that. Talk to your internet service provider. Check the lists. Go to the NBN website and see if you're eligible to be upgraded. Um, to give you a very quick, a very quick example, um, in New South Wales, for example, Alexandria, Jeringong, Erina, um, Cordo Heights, Preston's, Raymond Terrace, Terrigal. Um, if I move down to Queensland, Coolan Gadda, Coolan Beach, um, Pacific Pines, Newtown, Marumba Downs, uh, Warana, Victoria Point. Seriously, a lot of places. So check the lists. Look for yourselves. If you do need the upgrade, go ahead and get it. Why wouldn't you? This has been an interesting week, not because there's been a lot of tech news this week, as you can tell, TVs, weight scales, internet connections, but mainly because somebody in the tech world did journalism stuff. And I love it when people in the tech world do journalism stuff, because that means that they're not just writing about the same press release that I received in my inbox as well. It means that they're actually doing something that appears like journalism. And it kind of makes me excited that it still exists. Now, I'm talking about, I'll mention her name, Tegan Jones. She is the editor for Gizmodo um, in Australia. And she's, she's amazing. She's, a, she's one of those people that works their butts off um, and actually cares. And whenever I bump into her at events, she's one of those people who's always happy for a chat. Um, but you can genuinely see in when you're talking to her about things that she does give a crap. And I love that. And that's why she's in the job that she's in. And that's why she will continue to do well. One of the stories that she uncovered was that Officeworks is no longer selling the Apple AirTag. Officeworks, a major retailer in Australia, uh, that's a big deal. They decided to pull the product from their shelves. Now, it turns out that Officeworks did this because of safety concerns of the button battery inside the Apple AirTag. Now, for those who don't know, the Apple AirTag, $45 um, ring, like a coin, that um, also needs to be purchased with a holder because you can't really attach the coin to anything. But the coin, if you twist and turn the back cover, um, the back case comes off. The button battery effectively falls out after that. So it's not really clamped into the AirTag itself. Once you've, if you literally tip the thing over, once you've taken off the back case, the button battery will fall out. The, I don't know the specific reason as to what Officeworks is saying, which part of that is a concern to them. However, they're saying that they have safety concerns around the button battery. Unfortunately, I think it was in the last year or, or whatever, three babies died from swallowing button batteries. And it, it's a huge problem. Apparently, it happens a lot. Like these kids are just chewing on them. They see the little coin, they get excited, it's shiny. Boom, that thing goes in. Terrible stuff. So I can understand why there is a concern. And it's been super interesting that when that story came out, I thought, whoa, I mean, if Officeworks is doing it, will others? 
I spoke to Harvey Norman and they had no concerns. They said unless the ACCC recommend that they do that or provide guidance around that, um, then they would proceed to do that, to do that kind of action. But at this stage, they were not. Um, so I thought, OK, interesting. And then what was interesting more so was paying attention to who found that story interesting and who shared that story or who also covered that story. And it wasn't until maybe two, three days later that I started to see some of the other websites cover this news and covering it more with specul with not speculation, with um, skepticism than anything else, where they would actually come to the, def- the defense of Apple. And I always find this very interesting. And this is where it gets interesting about what happens behind the scenes. You know, because I always talk to you about uh, my relationship with Apple being poor because of how, I guess, unrestricted I am when, when I talk about them. Whereas if I really wanted to maintain a good relationship with them, would I be writing about the office work story? Hmm. Does it paint Apple in a good light? Huh. Could that impact my relationship with them? Got it. Whereas if you're Gizmodo, pretty good chance they're always going to get review units or support from Apple because it's Gizmodo. But these smaller sites like others um, wouldn't do that. No surprise. However, what was interesting is when I did read about these um, stories that they did write in their defense, in Apple AirTag's defense, it was to throw the ball at tile and to say, hey, if Officeworks is going to raise safety concerns around the AirTag, having a button battery, then guess what? The tile also has a button battery. So why hasn't that been removed from sale as well? Now, I have a tile. Tile are very good um, not friends of the show, but they, they are very helpful when I do need review product and I don't need to talk about them. They have been known to send me one. And I quickly grabbed one out of the cupboard and I have it in front of me. And mine is the Tile Pro. And I've checked a couple of others as well. The Tile Pro has a kind of line through the back of it, a round line where I can see that is, there is the cover for the button battery. I had to go on YouTube, how to remove the back case because I was pushing and prodding on the thing and it didn't budge, which tells me straight away that that was a good thing. If I was a two-year-old or a three-year-old, pretty good chance I would struggle to open it also. Anyway, I've just figured it out and you can slide the back cover off um, or the piece of the back cover that covers the button battery. Once you've done that, I can tip, shake, hit. You're hearing this, I'm hitting it and the button battery does not dislodge. I almost need to use a pen, um, or in the video, they actually use one of those small electronics um, style screwdrivers to pry the button battery out of its holster. And if I was somebody who was concerned about button batteries and my family, I would tell you that the button battery in the tile is less likely to be swallowed than the AirTags one, based on those things alone. That even with the back case missing, the battery is not falling out. It's not going to dislodge automatically. And seriously, it's going to take a kid a lot of effort to get it out, given that my fingernails, I couldn't do it. And I would literally need like a pen. You know, when you, when you click a pen, you click a pen, right? You can stick that underneath it. I'm doing it right now. And yes, I've been able to dislodge it. It's not simple. It's nowhere near simple. And it actually sits in there so, so firm that when I've watched um, people online take the back case off the air tags, the battery normally falls at the same time. So if it's a twist to unlock the door of the AirTag and then the button battery falls, I can now see why Officeworks could potentially be concerned about it. And look, let's be clear on this. 
there's there's people online saying that there's more to the story that Officeworks would why would they do this against Apple? This is unbelievable. This is insane of them to think that Apple doesn't care about safety. Unbelievable of them to throw stones like this. Do you think for a second that Officeworks doesn't want customers' money? AirTags are being sold like mad, as if Officeworks would happily remove a very popular product from a sale. Hello? Not a good idea. So yes, I do think it is because of safety, and I do think that they're potentially taking an early step before others are forced to do so as well, because if we are genuinely concerned about safety, I can tell you the AirTag battery does fall out much simpler than the tile one, and that's why they still sell the tile. So to people who are writing these stories, I'm, I, don't, I don't know if they listen. I don't really, I don't really care. But it's an information for you, dear listener, that if you're worried about button batteries, the AirTag one does come off. I would recommend getting a case for it, um, which you need anyway to attach it to keys. But getting a case for it that actually holds the back cover firmly in place, or at least covers it in case it does come loose. That would be my guidance to you as well. So it's almost like putting a case on your phone. Make sure you do that with an AirTag so that the door doesn't actually come off and uh, the button doesn't dislodge. Very important thing. And I genuinely think it's a good safety concern to have. Um, But ladies and gentlemen, please question some of the garbage that you see on people's websites. It's just it's crystal clear. It's like glass. The amazing Jarvis at the PR company that represents Sunto uh, got in touch with me and wanted to know if I was interested in reviewing uh, one of their new smartwatches. Now, I've looked at Sunto watches before, and my biggest gripe with, with them has been battery life. Um, I always was impressed by the amount of data that was available on their smartwatches in terms of workout data and the insights into your workout. However, doing a workout could essentially mean that I don't make it through the day in terms of battery life. Bit of a problem. Um, anyway. He convinced me and he sent me the Sunto 9. The Sunto 9 is their latest, greatest, top of the food chain type smartwatch slash fitness wearable. Uh, The Sunto 9, $799. Not a cheap smartwatch, not the most expensive either. It's a little bit chunky. Let's start with looks, right? Um, It's chunky. If you've ever seen a TW Steel watch, um, I have one. I quite like big chunky watches. This one really makes it uh, chunky. It takes up the width of my wrist. It's a big watch. Um, If you don't mind having a big clock on your wrist, I think it looks cool. It's actually mine is all black. It's a black titanium charcoal look to it. And it's got a material um, band around the wrist as well, which is quite cool. It's got a proper um, watch loop on it, meaning it's safe and secure. And it's got a double loop for the for the straps. So this thing does not go anywhere. Um, I don't sleep with it, though. And I'll tell you why. It do- I know it does sleep tracking. The reason I don't sleep with it is because I'm using the Google Nest, with the- which has the new sleep tracking features, to do that now. I'm just happily not wearing a watch to bed. Knowing that it can, though, the one thing I will say, is if you are planning on doing that, it's a bulky watch. I mean, if you were to roll over and hit the missus with your watch when she's sleeping, she's, she's gone. Like, it's gone. It's over. It's over. You wake up next to a dead body and you go, oh, the Sunto did that. Or maybe, yeah, maybe it wouldn't. But it's, it's a big thing. So don't wear it to bed unless you're absolutely confident that um, you're not going to hit the lampshade or anything like that in your sleep because you'll break something. So it's a big watch, first and foremost. The other thing, though, is it doesn't run Android Wear. It doesn't have the Google 
um, smartwatch operating system on there, which when I first unboxed it, man, I went back to Jarvis. I said, Jarvis, I think I've got the wrong one. Something's wrong here. I'm pretty sure this thing's not running um, Android Wear OS, which means I wouldn't have access to things like um, all the smartwatch apps that I would normally like to use and things like that. He said, yeah, you're right. It doesn't have it. <laughs> and I said, okay, fine. I'm going to accept that. It's, you know, I get it. It was in the, in the email. It was actually quite clear. I just completely brushed over the fact. Um, but we kept going anyway. So if you are somebody who is committed to the apps and things like that on a smartwatch, this one's not for you. This is absolutely a watch for people who want to be active, adventurous, and really get out there and monitor everything that they're doing from an activity point of view. This is really an activity watch, okay? The sapphire glass makes this thing rock solid. The screen with an always-on display allows me to always be able to check the time. I also have the battery life straight in front of the middle as well. And the one thing I'm telling you about battery life immediately is I don't know how many days this thing can go for, but it's a lot. Um, I charge it because I feel bad. I feel like I need to, not because I want to or because it's asking me to. I feel like I just should. It's like I just feel guilty that I've been using this thing for so long and not giving it back some, some juice. So I do. It's quite weird. The previous Sunto was a disaster from that perspective. To give you some context around workouts, um, on the weekend, some friends and I decided we were going to do a mountain bike trail. Uh, it wasn't that far from where I live. So I thought I might ride to the trail, do the trail with the guys and then ride back. Probably not a great idea in the scheme of things that you're going to ride, burn energy to go and work out and then somehow get home with nothing left in you. But I thought, let's just do it. I woke up in the morning. Put my, put my Sunto 9 on, got dressed, blah, 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 looked at my watch, and I had 20% battery life. At 20% battery life, I'm usually thinking, forget about it. This is not going to be a good thing. I'm going to do heart rate tracking, GPS tracking, knowing that this thing does um, altimeter, it does barometer, it does all these extra elements that most smartwatches do not even consider in a workout, and it tracks the earth. Um, I'm in trouble. But I thought, you know what, fine, I'll just wear it because I had nothing else charged and available to go. Um, I'll just wear it. And if it dies, it dies. But let's just wait and see what, how it reacts. I stopped. I, I started the workout and it was pretty easy. The menu system is actually very simple. It's much more basic and obviously there's a lot less, less in it. But when you do want to start a workout, you've got like 80 different choices that you can choose if you want to. But the top ones usually find what you need before you get too deep. Um, found my outdoor cycling one, kick that off. Uh, interestingly, I didn't stop. I didn't start riding immediately because it was effectively telling me not to. It was like, hang on a minute, I've got to get GPS and I want to get your heart rate working uh, before you start. It's serious. It takes your workouts that seriously that it's like, don't even, don't even move, because bro, we can't track it yet. We're not ready for you. So it took about ten seconds, and then I was on my bike ready to go. I stopped looking at it. I did the ride. I caught up with the guys, rode home. Um, somehow, guys, I'll be honest, I had a really good ride that day. About 16 Ks, including trail riding, and felt good. Felt good. Felt really good. Um, freezing cold, though. Anyway, got home. I had 10% remaining. 10% remaining. I was probably out for a good two, two and a half hours of constant workout tracking with GPS and everything else, and I consumed 10%. Bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. So the best part, however, is not just that. It's actually when you then finish looking at the data on the app. The app is incredible. Duration, distance, your pace, your average heart rate, your max heart rate, how many calories you burnt, how many hours of recovery you're going to need. 
your cadence, so much detail, different zones that you can break down into. You can literally go over your entire timeline and see your heart rate at any moment in time. And at that same moment in time, you can see whether you were going uphill, whether you're going downhill, because it tracks the actual altitude. You can also track what speed you were doing at that exact point in time. So you can actually then pinpoint, well, why was your heart rate high? Oh, it's because I was going up a hill in that location. Oh, and by the way, you can then view that through satellite maps. So you can actually see exactly where you were, what it looked like, where you were going. So it's incredible amounts of detail. If you're someone who, especially if you're someone who does a, a similar trail or track on a regular basis, the comparisons that you would be able to do are phenomenal because in my in my case, I rode to the trail, did it a pretty bit much of a zigzag type trail. It wasn't a, it wasn't a circuit, and then rode back. I rode back in a different path, so it was hard to compare the numbers. But if I was to take the same path on a regular basis, the amount of data that you can then compare with is phenomenal because then you can say, well, how is my heart rate and speed improving in that section of the course that I take? Has my heart rate actually gone down, but my speed is increasing? Is my duration going going down? but my heart rate is actually staying the same. So actually thinking about, is my health improving as a result of the training that I'm doing? And that's what these apps can actually do for you. And it's something that we don't normally pay attention to because we don't have all of this data being perfectly managed for us. And Sunto is one of the best at doing that. So I've been harsh on them in the past when when they had a more smartwatch type device, which was the previous Sunto 7. Um, I was quite harsh on them. It was a $799 watch. I think it's now $699. And I kind of was reluctant to test this one. However, fitness people out there, you love your riding, you love your adventure. You're not, I mean, you still get smartphone notifications. It's just not as ingrained as a smartwatch. So if you lean 90% towards fitness and only 10% towards smartwatches, you'll be super happy with this device. It's, it's that simple. It's absolutely for someone who wants to go for an ultra marathon and track every single piece of it. Other smartwatches wouldn't be able to do that. They will probably die much sooner as well. So Matt, very impressed. Congratulations to the team at Sunto. I know it sounds like I'm, uh, I, I don't know, this isn't advertorial. I just genuinely like it. And I've bagged them before. So Sunto 9, they've done it. They've done it really well. And I'm planning on going for another ride soon. And I can't wait to test it again. Um, I would love to do some other types of activities with it, like go rowing, like canoeing or kayaking or something and see how it goes in that kind of condition. I know it's winter at the moment, so it's a bit tricky to do. But yeah, I think this Sunto is going to go on other workouts with me. It's, it's primarily when I go outside. But anyway, check it out. The Sunto 9, uh, Sunto 9 Barrow, B-A-R-O. I'm sure it's not pronounced that way because that sounds like wheelbarrow. But anyway, there it is right there. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been a fantastic audience. We are going to wrap it up right there. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading the show. And thank you for being a subscriber. I think I noticed, and I don't know if it's, I have to go back and double check because I haven't been using my iPhone. But since I did the update, do you now follow podcasts rather than subscribe to them because they're moving subscriptions for the paid version of podcasts? Does that mean that we now follow podcasts? Anyway, thanks for following. Thanks for subscribing, whatever it is that you do do. Um, and thanks for listening wherever you are. It's been really nice actually to hear from people. I had, um, I'm going to find the name. I'm going to go log on Twitter. I had Lee reach out to me, L-E-I-G-H, reach out to me on Twitter and tell me he was a listener. He was also disappointed. I didn't release an interview episode the other week. Um, sorry about that, Lee. But it's awesome to hear from you guys. It's really nice. I do see the numbers and I know there are a lot of people listening, even better when I know who's listening. And generally, 
I will respond. I will talk back. And I would love to also hear interviewer suggestions, topic suggestions, things that I'm missing, things that I could be doing better. Um, I'm generally one of those people who loves feedback, positive or negative. So this is not a dictator type approach to technology. This is absolutely a community approach. So keep in touch, stay well, look after each other. And uh, I hope that something in this episode made you a little bit smarter for tomorrow.